Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. We spent last year putting it first. Now define the kingdom. And how can I help manifest the kingdom in the earth today? I don't want to just go to church and feel good. Go to church and hear good music and preaching and, and just see people. I want to know how can I help manifest the kingdom of God in the earth? Amen. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or uh, the, the literal translation there is actually deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. The influence of the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse number 10. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So he gave us the example. Lord, thy kingdom come in earth as it is in it. For those that think this, is, this was just uh, typology, that this, this was just, it wasn't literal. He said, Lord, your kingdom come in the earth just as it is in heaven. Amen. And this morning, to kick off our year and to kick off Vision Sunday and our theme for the year, I'm simply going to preach our theme, Kingdom Come. Amen. And let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the honor that we have to be in your house and to worship you. Lord, I pray that you would touch every person under the sound of my voice, that you would anoint them this morning, God, that you would anoint them by your word, oh God, and your spirit. Anoint every ear to hear and every mind to understand. Anoint every ear to hear. God, every heart to receive, every spirit to bear witness of your word. Lord, anoint our feet to take us in the right path, our hands to work with what we're supposed to work with. Lord, I pray that you would open our understanding this morning, oh God. Lord, we don't want to hear a sermon. We don't want to just go through the routine of religious protocol, but Lord, we want your spirit to intervene in this service and speak to us with divine clarity. In the name of Jesus and the church said, amen. And would you just give the Lord thanks for that this morning? Come on, because you know he's going to do it. He will do it. He is performing. Hallelujah. 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 
Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, tell somebody, I'm believing kingdom come this year. Amen. Amen. We are only blessed to be familiar with the type of the type of society that we live in today. And we are very blessed that we don't live under a monarch or a matriarch or a king system, that we live under a, a constitutional republic. And we're very blessed to have that system because it's great, brought great freedom and prosperity throughout the world. None of us uh, that I'm aware know what it's like to live under extreme dictatorship to my knowledge but for most of human history this is how the world has been countries and city-states and nations were ruled by one man or a woman or a very small group of people for the people to have their voice has has been the most revolutionary thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind outside of the word of god for there to be a place for people's voice to be heard, but not only heard, but for there to be a constraining, if you would, of the powers at the top. Whatever that is, it would constrain those powers. And so we, we don't understand what it's like, thankfully, to live. We got somebody trying to beat down the door over here. It's the wind. My goodness, that wind is picking up. Hallelujah, I thought somebody was breaking in over here. Amen. We don't know what it's like to live under an absolute dictatorship where uh, that if you criticize or if you speak out or if you don't do it the way they want it done, then all of a sudden uh, your life can end. You could be jeopardized. You can lose all of your possessions and all of your livelihood. We don't comprehend nor do we understand that. Amen. We live in a blessed enough to live in a society, amen, where the rulers or those in power are supposedly constrained by an agreement upon which we came up with, and that is the Constitution. And I am saying that to say that we don't understand what it's like to live under a king or the dominion of a king. We live in, under the freedom that we have. Uh, you can live where you want to live. You can be what you want to be. You can do all of these things, and it's expressed in the liberty that we have. That's why it is so hard in North American Christianity for us to, in Western Christianity, for us to understand the absolute edict of God's word that declares God's will for our life. Uh, if we're not careful, we will determine the future. We will determine our life as if we have a vote on what should we sh God should do in our life. As if we can go to God and say, Lord, I would prefer you do it this way and if I get enough people to help me acknowledge that then we'll we create our own denomination and we'll create our own church because this is what we want you to be and then you must understand first of all that it is the kingdom everybody say the kingdom it's the kingdom of God. It's not the democracy of God. It's not the republic of God. It is the kingdom of God. It operates by the edict of a 
king. He is an absolute sovereign Lord and king, and he is the one, hallelujah, that rules and reigns over all the earth. I can go to him with my complaint that I don't think life is fair. Amen. And guess what? Life ain't fair. Uh, I'm going to shock you with this one. God ain't fair either. Well, hello. I said, God ain't fair. Nothing in the Bible said God was going to be fair. It's, well, my Bible says he's not a respecter of person. That's right. He doesn't respect one person over the other, but he is a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of belief. He's a respecter of loyalty. He's a respecter of living after his will. Can you say amen? Amen. That's why some folks are favored and some folks aren't favored. It's because when you live according to the will of God, doesn't mean problems aren't going to happen. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen. All it means is, is no matter what happens, God is still in control for he is the king over this kingdom. Amen. There is no vote. There is no amendments. There is no, uh, there is no amending to the Bible. It is what it is. It says what it says. God never apologizes for his word. He never says, I'm sorry, uh, they penned this 2,000 years ago. I, I need to modify who I am. He doesn't do that. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Why? Because the Bible declares where the word of a king is, there is power. We don't comprehend. I'm trying to get us to get a little bit of insight on that today. Amen. Even the president who is supposedly uh, the president of the United States is supposedly the most powerful man in the world. Amen. Even what he speaks can be undone by a senate or by a congress or by the will of the people. Amen. But not God. You're never going to outdo his will. You're never going to overturn God's power. You can't veto it. You, you can't not pass it. When God says it, it's done because he is the king. And not just the king, but he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He is the high and exalted one. He is the supreme of all the supremes. He is the highest. He is the most lovely. He is the most beautiful. He is the most powerful. He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. There's nobody like our God. And he is the exalted one. It's his king. It's his king. It's his kingdom that we're in. Jesus was establishing that. Amen. Jesus often talked about the Everybody say the kingdom. Jesus often talked about the kingdom. Amen. Because it was important for his people to understand, for us today to understand. No matter what democracy you live under, democracy, theocracy, uh, monarchies, it doesn't matter. Fascism, Nazism, socialism, trashism, it doesn't matter. Because he is ultimately God and his word supersedes every other word. And, and it doesn't matter what they say. I don't care what the scientific consensus is. Amen. Forsake not the assembling of yourself. We're going to go with that. I don't care what the law says. We'll find you if you show up. We're going to worship in the house of God. We're going to stand firm on God's word. Because God never gave an exemption to his word. Jesus kept reemphasizing the kingdom. Everybody said the kingdom. 
Nicodemus says, how can a man do these miracles in John 3? Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Amen. He said, well, what do you mean? Can I go into my mother's womb again and be born? He said, verily, verily, surely, surely, I say unto you, that except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God twice. Jesus is establishing with a very intellectual man that unless you are born again, of water, that is baptism in the name of Jesus and of spirit which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit initiated in Acts 2 and 1 through 4 promised and, and indoctrinated into the apostles doctrine that we live in Acts 2 and 38 amen, it was establishing that there is a kingdom precedent that's more important than miracles, it's more important than blind eyes being open or dead people getting up out of their graves and that is this, to get into this kingdom you must be matter of fact Jesus said if you even want to see the kingdom you've got to you can't get into something you can't see so if you want to get into it you got to be born again of the water and of the spirit if you want to get into his kingdom somebody shout his kingdom amen I'm going to take some I'm going to just settle on this for a little bit this morning because it's his kingdom. Let's look at the word kingdom. It is a, a word that is compound. If you look at the etymology of it, it is, word, it is a compound word. It is the compound word of king and dom. Everybody say king. Say dom. Dom is the abbreviated version of dominion. It literally means king's dominion. That's what kingdom means. It means the domain of the king. And wherever the king's domain is, he is absolute ruler. He is absolute sovereign. There is no questioning the will or the sovereignty of the king within that dominion. And so when we say the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Christ, we are talking about the kingdom that we are a part of. It is an everlasting kingdom and of his government there shall be no end. There's four divine kingdoms in the Bible. There is the kingdom, there is the kingdom of man. There is the kingdom of hell. There is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now, they have all been boiled down into two kingdoms. Because when man fell into sin in the garden, the kingdom of man surrendered his authority to the kingdom of hell. He literally took his key, hand me those keys there. When man sinned in the garden, what he did is he yielded himself and he submitted himself to the kingdom of hell. He gave up his rights to have dominion on the earth by surrendering his sovereignty that God had gave him. He surrendered it to the kingdom of hell. And hell had, from that moment on, had dominion over man. That's why when Jesus died on the cross and he descended into hell, before he walked out, he looked at Satan and what did he say? Give me the to death, hell, and the grave. Because that's what man had lost in the garden. God didn't intend for, it wasn't the intention of God for Adam to die or for Eve to die. But when Adam and Eve made a choice to violate God's word, oh, I feel like preaching right now. 
He told them you can eat of any tree in this garden. See, Adam wasn't the gardener. God was the gardener. God gave Adam the garden. Adam didn't have to work. He didn't have to toil. He didn't have to plant. He didn't have to harvest. God took care of everything. And then he made Eve from his side. And he said, now you can have anything you want. You can eat anything you want. But there is one tree that you cannot eat of. That is the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good. It wasn't an apple. It wasn't a banana. It wasn't a pear. It wasn't an avocado. It wasn't a tomato. It was, it, it was the, well, what did it look like? It looked like the knowledge of good and evil. Amen. And so Satan comes in in the form of a snake. How many know the story? And he deceives Eve and says, isn't it true that God doesn't want you to eat of this tree? Because if you eat of this tree, then you will be like him. You see, the problem we misunderstand is, is that we think that Satan doesn't know the word. But actually, Satan knows the word of God better than you and I know the word of God. He just knows how to manipulate the word of God. Hello, somebody. That's why if you get arrested in broad daylight with a gun in your hand and there's a dead body five feet away from you, you don't hire a lawyer who just knows the law. You hire a lawyer who knows the loopholes in the law that can manipulate the law to lighten your sentence or to, uh, or to uh, exonerate you from the accusation. This is what Satan does. He knows the word of God better than all of us put together. He can quote it backwards and forwards. Here's the problem. He knows it so good. He knows how to present it to you in a way that it sounds right, but it has the wrong motive. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. I said he's gonna give you the word of God in the right in the right words, but with the wrong motive. He, he's gonna t- yeah, yes, it's true that God said you shouldn't eat it, but the reason he doesn't want you to eat it is because he doesn't want you to become like him. Hallelujah. And when they partook of that, they got death now came upon them. Now they submitted themselves to the authority of the kingdom of hell. Now the kingdom of hell has dominion over the kingdom of man. And so, so now the kingdom of, kingdom of man operates under the dominion of the kingdom of hell. That's why you were born into sin and shaping into iniquity. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I need you to, I need you to catch this because I'm preaching about the kingdom right now. I'm going to prove that to you. Some of you go, I don't know if I believe that I was born in the kingdom. I will prove it to you because you don't have to teach your child how to lie. It's the most natural thing. It's as natural as breathing. You catch that little booger with his hand in the cookie jar and cookie crumbs on his lips and that kid has never heard a lie in his life doesn't even have the wisdom or the knowledge to discern lie and truth and to be able to to uh, begin to duplicate that and you say are you eating those cookies and while his hand is in the jar and his cheeks are filled with cookies like a chipmunk crumbs are falling out of his mouth that kid will look at you and go uh uh-uh. 
You don't have to teach them to do that. You don't have to teach them to say, you can't go outside and play until your room's clean. Is your room clean? They're gonna look right at you and say, yeah, it's clean. it'll look like a tornado hit that room. Amen, but they, why? You've gotta teach them how to be truthful. You don't have to teach your child how to be mean. Every one of us was born with a jerk streak in every one of us. You gotta teach them how to be nice and how to share and how to be kind. And, and, and how to be loving and how to get along. What I'm saying is they are born with a nature that is fallen because we fell under the dominion of the kingdom of hell. If we were born in the dominion of the kingdom of God, you would have to teach your child how to lie. You would have to teach your child how to be mean, but you don't have to because we were all born in sin and shaped into iniquity. Are you with me so far? You hold that precious little baby in your arms and it is perfect. It is, I remember, how many of you parents remember holding that baby for the first time? And you look at that baby and your mother said, this baby is gorgeous, it's beautiful. There's never been anything so beautiful that I've ever seen in my life. And every dad, we just nodded our head, but we all looked at that baby and said, is this a creature from another, what is wrong with my child? What did you do to this baby? Can you put it back in the oven? It's not done cooking. Something ain't right here. Is it supposed to look like that? Why do they make them noises? Are their eyes always going to look like that? What is going on? But we are telling the mama, oh, it's the most beautiful baby in the world. Amen. Why? Because... We understand our fallen nature. And just like Adam, he wanted to get along with his wife, so he ate the fruit too. Amen. Amen. But while you are holding that baby, you must understand that perfect, innocent child is one day going to grow up and is going to test your ever-living patience. That little child, without ever going through a course, without ever going through a class, that child is gonna find what gets on your blasted nerve. And that child, through the influence of its natural born state, is gonna stomp on that last nerve. That child, they're still beautiful, we still love them, but they are influenced by another kingdom. That's why we gotta teach them to love and to share and to be kind. And I would to God it were that we only had to teach the kids that, but we have to keep reiterating to ourselves, love one another, be kind to one another, be gentle with one another, be long-suffering with one another. Because that's only, that's only one dominion now. It's, it's one kingdom. Kingdom of man has now fallen under the dominion of the kingdom of hell. So to get out of that kingdom... You got to die. It's kind of like the mafia. That's it. The only way you get out, you, you got to die. You know, about a bing, about a bing, about a boom. That's the only way you get out. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to, there's only one way to get out of this. You got to die. And, and, and it wasn't the design of hell. It was the design of God because I, I'm not going to let that into this perfect kingdom. I'm, I, I will allow imperfect people, but I will not allow a, a, a damned spirit 
to come into this kingdom. That spirit that is already condemned to hell, I'm not letting it in my kingdom. So now I need that to die. But here's the good news. It's not a death to no end. It is a death to a regeneration or a rebirth of that human. And so when you come to the altar of repentance, it's more. Repentance is not just saying, God, I'm guilty. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry that I did what caused me to be guilty. And repentance says, now I'm going to turn away from that. And I'm going to act the way I'm supposed to act. I'm going to act according to the dictates of the king. I was in a lawless kingdom where if it felt good, do it. I was in a lawless kingdom of following my heart. But now I'm going to be in a kingdom where I I have structure and law. And so to get out of that kingdom, you got to die. The Bible says through repentance is a type of death. We die out to sin. Then we bury the old man in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. But because, and, and, and that baptism, the Bible said, was a typology of the burial of Christ. My repentance is a typology of Christ dying on the cross. My repentance is, uh, my baptism is a typology of the burial of Jesus after the cross. Amen. And then the infilling of the Holy Ghost is the regenerating or the rebirth of the Spirit which is typified of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because Jesus lives, you can live also. And because Jesus lives, we don't hold you underwater until the last bubble comes up amen but because Jesus lives you come up out of that water and you are filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit and it regenerates your spirit and you are born again of water and of spirit and now you have the opportunity to be a part of the kingdom but am I, now, now what's the difference, you may ask, of what's the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? That's, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, and I'll just say this, only the time in which they happen is the difference. It's not two different locations, it's not two different kings. It is the time period of which they take place in, which would take a lot longer than the remaining time I have left to preach to you about the importance of manifesting the kingdom of God in the earth. Now, when Jesus rose from the grave, he come up saying, all power is now given to me, both in heaven, that was his dominion, and in earth, that was hell's dominion. Because in the earth was death. In the earth was the grave and hell. Death, hell, and the grave is not in heaven. When Jesus rose from the grave, amen, and was standing there, he said, now I have all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Hallelujah. Amen. He, he took the keys back that Adam had yielded in the God. Boy, I'm gonna shout myself. The Bible says, amen, that Jesus is the second Adam. The second Adam came to restore back to man what the first Adam lost. Because of the one man's sin, the Bible says, death entered into the world. But by one man's sacrifice, 
Now life enters into the world. Adam's act of disobedience brought death to humanity. But Christ's act of obedience brought life back to humanity. And although we may and will die a physical death, this spirit will not die. It shall live forever in the dominion of the King of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I die from cancer, I really won because now I'm eternally in the kingdom of God. If I die from a heart attack, I still am winning because I'm in the kingdom of God. If you die in a car wreck, you're gonna live forever because you're in the kingdom of God. And Jesus constantly referred to the kingdom. He constantly referred to the kingdom. Why? Well, there's, there, I could give you a multiplicity of reasons, but I just want to focus in on one. Because now, Israel is being occupied by a foreign government. The government of Rome, who got their ruling philosophies from the Greeks, is which what we call the cradle of democracy. And so they are being introduced, forcibly, might I ask, might I add, to a concept of democracy. Oh, hallelujah. And Jesus, now they have, a, a, they have Caesar, who is ruling with a heavy hand, but the Romans had always prided themselves, even though they have a dictator for life, in Caesar, they prided themselves as being a democracy or a republic because they had a senate. And Jesus is trying to constantly reemphasize to them, this kingdom is not a vote. This kingdom is not powered by the politicians or senators or congressmen or noblemen, but this is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of God. And it's not of this world. It's a theocracy. It's God's will, and that's it. Amen. So now... Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Y'all with me so far? He's now preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He goes through the Beatitudes and all these groovy things he talks about. And then he gets to the point of prayer. And he says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. In other words, he didn't say, I want you to recite this prayer. And then we call that, because he just got on to him for praying with vain repetition. So he wasn't saying every time you pray, you have to recite this prayer. What Jesus was saying was, and the consensus of this is, that Jesus was saying, when you pray, use this as your model. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He was praying, showing them how to pray a prayer that is effectual and right to make connection with God. And the first thing he said was, when you pray, pray like this, 
our Father. Now, the first thing you need to do is make a covenant of relationship. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is thy name. Thy kingdom, you see how quick he jumped into kingdom? In other words, if you don't understand who your father is, notice he did not say, pray after this manner. Oh, my king, hallowed be thy name. He said, our father. Jesus said, I've come to show you a new covenant. That God wants a relationship with you. He wants to be your father. But never forget that your father is the king of all kings. He's your daddy. But he's the king of all the world. Our father, who is my father? My father is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the righteous one. He's the sovereign one. He's the holy one. He's the just one. Hallowed or holy be thy name. In other words, start out that prayer with thanksgiving and acknowledgement of a relationship. Holy is your name. There's no name like your name. There's no name like your name. There's no name like your name. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and giving him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess. There's no name like that name. And thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save thy people from thy sins. For his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of, there's no name. Oh, somebody take a minute and just worship that name right now. Oh, there's no name like that name. There's power in that name. There's healing in that name. Let me tell you why that name is powerful because that name is the name of the king. And when you mention the name of the king, you're talking about sovereignty and you're talking about absolute authority. That's why Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall speak with new tongues. Why did he say in my name? Because Jesus was affirming the power of the kingdom and the kingship that he has as the sovereign Lord of this earth. He said, when you speak my name, sickness has to bow. When you speak my name, depression has to bow. When you speak my name, name. Matter of fact, demons tremble. Why? Because even hell knows there's one God. His he 
his name is Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is both the Lamb and the Priest, the Lion and the Lamb. Hallelujah. He's the way, the truth, the light. He is the Good Shepherd. He is the door. He is the altogether lovely lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. There has never been, nor will there ever be anybody like him. His name is wonderful. His name is powerful. His name is majestic. His name is sovereign. And when you say in the name of Jesus, sin bows its head. When you say in the name of Jesus, sickness has to step back. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. It's time to bring the name of the king back into the kingdom. There's no name like his name. His name is Jesus. His name is not Father. His name is not Son. His name is not Holy Ghost. His name is not Lord. His name is Jesus. Oh, I feel like shouting here this morning. He said, in whatever you do, do in my name. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Now this is mysterious to us, but it was not mysterious to the Jews. They understood exactly what he was talking about because when you went in the authority of the king, you would walk into a city and say, I declare and I claim this city in the name of the king. You would walk into a house and say, I declare this house under the sovereignty of the king and you would put his name in there. Amen. Some of you need to go home this morning and you need to start declaring the sovereignty of Jesus over your home. You need to start declaring the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ over your job and over your family. You need to quit asking the devil to do stuff and you need to start calling on the name of the king because the king has dominion both in heaven and in the earth. Don't worry, I'm almost done. I gotta get you believing in who the king is because Jesus said, listen, I don't want you to get caught up, amen, in this, in this republic or this democracy. That's not how the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the sovereignty of one Lord, amen. No man can serve two masters. His heart is then divided. He is unstable in all his way. You gotta know who you're loyal to. You gotta know who you are serving. Last year, our theme was kingdom first, and we lived a life of putting God first first and disciplining disciplining ourselves to try and be more cognizant of the fact that I need to put Jesus first in my life. I don't need to arrange church around my schedule. I need to arrange my schedule around the kingdom. 
Let, let me say it again. Kingdom first living was not uh, how can I get my schedule around the church, but rather, amen, how can I get everything to fit and what God is doing in my life? And some folks took great strides in that direction. Amen. And some people went the other direction. This year is building upon the understanding that we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. This year we are going to another dimension of kingdom living. And that is we're not just praying kingdom first. You don't pray kingdom first. You live kingdom first. We're stepping into another dimension of kingdom living. And that is kingdom come. Thy will be done. God, I want you to make manifest your kingdom in the city of Woodland. I want you to make manifest your lordship, your sovereignty over the city of Woodland. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I believe in 2023, amen, brother and sister Ramirez began to speak faith while ago that this is the year that we not only grow in number, but we grow in knowledge to understand you're not just young people that attend first church. You're not just a youth group that we're trying to use you to raise money to pay for your trips but you are the king's kids. You belong to the king of all kings and the lord of Mama and daddy, I know these kids go on trips and they got conferences and youth rallies and I know you, you want to go on vacations and getaways all the time but you better learn to not only put the kingdom first but let kingdom come in their life because when they become a part of the kingdom, when they begin to actualize and realize and materialize the kingdom of God in the earth, I want his kingdom to come in the earth. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth, as it is in heaven. He didn't say thy will be done in the earth as it is and then name some other powerful kingdom of the world. Because every kingdom of the world has failed and fallen and faltered. Why? Because it's a man's kingdom. He said you pray like this, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you something. Do you believe God has to have a vote in heaven? Do you believe God has to gather a consensus to be God in heaven? Do you think God has to pay some corrupt lobbyists to get something done? When God wants it done in heaven, it's done. It's done. There's no question. There's no debate. There's no 30 minutes to read over it. 
there, there's no consensus. Amen. There, there's no alignment. There, there, there's no grouping. There's no vote. There, when God wants it done, it's done. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I want you to pray that the kingdom of God would be actualized on this earth as it is realized and actualized in heaven. In other words, when God says do it, we just respond to it because he is the king. When God says do it, what do we do? We put out 10 fleeces to see if it was really God. We wait six months to see if the pastor will confirm from the pulpit that it's God. We'll ask everybody else in a generic version to never let them know that it's us that's actually struggling with what God said. And then if and only if that 99% of that comes to pass, then maybe we will do half of what God asked us to do with whatever leftover energies and times that we might have in which to give it to. But Jesus said when you pray, you pray like this. Lord, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done in the earth as it is in, oh God, I pray that we get to the place in 2023 that we don't have to be pumped up, that we don't have to have our shoulders rubbed, that we don't have to be patted on the back just to do anything, but we walk into this year saying, I've got your kingdom first. Now I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done in Woodland as it is done. God, do what you want to do in me. Do what you want to do in my life. Do what you want to do in my family. 2023, it's not about how to get blessed. You should already know how to be blessed. 2023, isn't it about how to gain power in my life you should already know how to gain power in your life but 2023 is about surrendering my will to the will of God my will may want to do this but I want the will of God done in my life as it is in heaven and so when his kingdom comes I said when his kingdom comes it's not always going to be convenient. As a matter of fact, on the contrary, it will rarely be convenient. We far too often base our willingness to God's will on how convenient it is to our schedule. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Well, if God really wanted me to do that, he would give me more time. Well, then don't get mad when you stop getting overtime. If you're going to put it in God's court, don't, don't be mad if you lose that job and get a lesser job. Because God's saying, with what I've given you, I want my kingdom to be manifesting your life. And if you tell God that his blessing is what's holding you back. God will say, well, let, let me rearrange some things for you. Since you won't do it, I will. Well, if God, oh God, God just, surely if it was the will of God, it would make me happy. Talk to the disciples about that. 
Was it the will of God for them not to deny their faith? Absolutely. What did it cost them? Their life. Amen. I know what you're thinking, Pastor. I thought we'd be shouting by now. This, this is Vision Sunday. This is Look in the Mirror Sunday. Because we want the kingdom of God to come as long as it doesn't mess up what I'm already doing. Well, if God wants me to teach home Bible, what do you mean if God wants you to teach home Bible study? Did, did you hit your head on a false teaching book? He wants all of us teaching home Bible studies. Well, if God wanted me to have a small group, if God wanted to, Acts 2.42. Well, if, no, no, it's, it's, it's not about praying the if. Not if it's your will, it's thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. But if I do what I know God is wanting me to do, I'm going to have less time for me. If, if the apostles took that attitude, the gospel would still be stuck in Jerusalem right now. Now, let me be clear about what I'm not, don't worry, I'm about to get Brother Lucas up here in just a minute. I don't want to bum you out on Vision Sunday. Because I, I, I know we are trying to craft for ourselves a version of Christianity that only cost us at most four to five hours a week. But if we want kingdom to come, and what I mean by kingdom come, I mean blowing the doors off of this place with harvest. It's going to cost all of us a little bit more than just coming to church and hearing preaching. Amen. Just remember last year, we shouted and danced all over kingdom first. All right, we, we rejoiced and we were. But now we're not talking about an idea. We're talking about an action. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We pray that prayer thinking that God will say, okay, I'll do it within that five hours a week you give me. And God says, five hours a week? You haven't even scratched the surface yet. I don't want I, I don't I don't want 30 minutes a day. I want all 24. I know the wheels are turning. Well, how am I supposed to do this? I have a job and I have a family. I, see, you're trying to right now you are trying to figure out how kingdom come. You first have got to be surrendered to kingdom come. And then when God's, listen, listen, if God's in it, he'll make a way. I said if God's in it, he'll make a way. Churches were built, the kingdom expanded around this world when people got out of their comfort zone. 
and said, Lord, I am willing for you to mess up my schedule. I am willing for you to mess up my idea of a perfect life. I, instead of me working toward my idea of a perfect life, Lord, I want your, you are the sovereign God. I declare you as Lord of my life, so that means you are the sovereign supreme being. You are the sovereign supreme ruler in my life. And I am praying that in 2023, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You want to get to the daily bread stuff. You want to get, no, no, no. You can't get to that until you get kingdom come. Amen. We had kingdom first last year, but I'm praying this year, God help us be surrendered to the manifestation of your kingdom like we never have before. Well, pastor, that means I'm going to have to give up some of it. Well, it might be, but it also might mean that some of your family get saved. Well, pastor, if I do that, that means I've got to surrender some of it. That might be, but it also might be that that family living next door to you gets baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, pastor, if God, I'll have to give up. It's not about what you give up. It's about how he shows up. It's not about what you surrender. It's about what he gives back. And I'm praying this year in 2023, are you ready to have to go to two services on Sunday? Are you ready to have to put out more chairs in the front and in the back? Are you ready to have to have a Spanish speaking service because we have so many? Are, are you ready to get because if you are it goes from kingdom first to kingdom come it goes to me being willing to open my home for a for for a connect group it's willing to open my home for a bible study it opens me up to be willing to come to church and pray more than just on prayer nights but that I live a life that surrendered thy kingdom come thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven I wonder if there's anybody right now that would lift their hands and begin to pray that prayer right now. Lord Jesus, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I want to see my family saved this year. Amen. I want to see my co-workers saved this year. Lord, I want to do more for missions this year than I did last year. We want to see those satellite campuses started. We want to see those preaching points started. Oh, God, but as I look at this ministry staff and I look at this leadership, team. I understand that they're already stretched thin, thin doing what they can do. So here I am, Lord, surrendering myself to say let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Lord, without debate, without reservation, without argument, without hesitation, Lord, I'm going to surrender my life to you in 2023. Lord, I I put your kingdom first last year. I made it a practice in my life to put your kingdom first. But Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. In the name of Jesus, would you stand with me all over the house? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Just stand and lift those hands to the Lord right now.
lazy Christianity won't survive. Half-hearted commitment won't survive. Only those that say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I need his will to be done in my life today. I need his will to be done in my life today. It was one of the final things that Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, he began to give us that perfect example. Listen to me. Amen. Listen to me. We become a generation, and I'm not talking about us specifically as a church. I'm just talking about us as a generation. We have become the most shallow generation of Christianity since the upper room because we define, amen, God's will in our life by how much we'll dance on a Sunday and how good we feel after we hear a sermon. That's not what it's about. It's not about did it make me jump? Did it make me feel good? It's about walking out of here every service or every day you live saying, did I mold myself a little bit more into the image of Christ? Have I yielded my life a little bit more to the will of God? I want you to think about it. How? What would it be like today? What would the church be like today? Amen. If the early church, amen, when Pastor Royer came to Woodland 65 years ago and established this church, what would it be like today if it was only a five hour a week effort? What would, what would the world see today in missions if everybody said I'm only going to give it five or six hours a week but I'm going to tell you when the people of God begin to change a city when they begin to turn the world upside down it's when the people of God say Lord consume me you're an all consuming fire consume me every waking moment that I have Lord I pray that every heartbeat that I have thumps I've got to reach somebody I need your kingdom to be manifest in my life I want your will to be done is there anybody that's willing to pray that prayer this year that's willing to say Lord not my will but thy will be done is there anybody willing to pray that this year that every aspect of my life I'm going to surrender to what the will of God is in my life Lord your kingdom come your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven in the name of Jesus if there's anybody here this morning that says you know I'm going to make kingdom come not just a, a motto for the year or our mission statement but I'm going to make kingdom come my mission for my life this year I want you to meet me in this altar right now because that's the goal for first church campuses this year it's about the kingdom of God coming and actualizing and materializing in our life that means there's going to be some inconvenient where you have to cancel plans amen because you got a home bible study coming to your house that may mean you can't get that extra shift amen because you've got a discipleship class going on at your house it's about actualizing the kingdom of God come on come on for far too long we've tied up amen God's favor with how we shout or dance but God says no this year I'm going to develop you I'm going to mature you into be a Christian that can walk after making disciples and actualize in the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus I pray we get as consumed with the will of God as we are with anything else in our life is there anybody willing to say God put me on the potter's wheel mold me, form me, shape me, mold me God form me into the image that you're calling me to be
comes to this point we have walked Isaac up the mountain we have built the altar amen but God is wondering are you willing to put that most precious of sacrifices upon the altar are you willing to pray thy kingdom come Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.